everybody. Welcome back to Mage Wars Mondays. My name is Rick with Let's Level Up, and I am joined, as always, by... Hey, everybody. I'm Scott Morris. I'm Vice President of Business Development at Arcane Wonders, and I was brought upon this earth to get it. Nice. Uh, I'm Aaron Brosman, Creative Director at uh, Arcane Wonders, and... I am a product of pure boredom. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, not a lot of trouble in Little China. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I I couldn't come up with anything else off the top of my head. Like, sadly, that doesn't trigger my big trouble in Little China. <laughs> Mention green eyes, and I immediately go there, though. So. Oh, there you go. There you go. See, now everybody understands that we totally wing the opening of every show because there's no way we would script everything we just said. <laughs> well, that should have been obvious, I think, from show one. <laughs> uh, uh, I like the idea that we are, in fact, way better at this than we actually are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, guys, uh, what we're doing here today is going to be talking about... Uh, changing some of the apprentice spell books some of the books that the the core game and subsequent expansions suggest you start with and uh, what we can do in customizing those by removing a few cards and adding a few more um, so we've each picked a, a different mage and we're going to go into those and then kind of talk about our ideas together um, we hope this is going to be a great episode for you guys who are getting into the um, getting into the actual deck building portion of Mage Wars, and also for you seasoned vets out there, maybe produce a few ideas that you haven't already thought of. Um, so with that in mind, Scott, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Sure, yeah. Um, so I went with uh, a mage that I've been playing a lot lately, and um, I honestly have not played him a lot until just recently, uh, but it was with the Forged and Fire card, that came out that kind of re-sparked some, hey, here's some ideas and here's some cool things to do. Uh, he is the Akai Priest. Uh, he was the alternate priest that came out with the Conquest of Kuro spell expansion. And uh, he is, in my opinion, a pretty well-rounded, very solid starting spellbook uh, or suggested starting spellbook. And there's some small minor tweaks that I think that a new player could look at to you get a little more out of it and have a little more fun with it as well. Um, so just to kind of go down the list a little bit, you know, he a holy mage, uh, and he has an ability to make a creature uh, his holy avenger. And uh, he also has an ability called Malachi's Fire, uh, which has the potential to add burn tokens to people. Uh, so he's got a, a pretty well-rounded kind of capability set, being a priest that can also deal some damage uh, and have some uh, pretty big, hefty creatures out on the uh, the market there in the arena. They, they can do some pretty good damage. So what I kind of looked through, was there too much of, and what was there not enough of when I was playing with this suggested Sorry, I actually did was back together and, and put a couple of games against some experienced spell books and started to think to myself, okay, what was missing? What what do I what do I need? What would I have liked to have had? If I could have had access to not just everything in my spell book, but everything in my collection, what would I go get? So what I stood with was uh, there are three healing terms, uh, which 
enchantment in the um, base suggested spring spellbook, which is quite a lot. Um, you may not think it's a lot, but when you couple in the fact that he has two heals, a group heal, a lay on hands, it's almost a little bit of overkill uh, in the healing. So I took one of those out. I also took out Rhino Hide, uh, which you may think to yourself, well, why would you do that? Because you want to give armor to people. Uh, well, in fact, a lot of that he casts, uh, creature-wise, have armor and have defenses in them. So I felt that that was something that wasn't necessarily a, a must-have. I also took out a couple of pieces of equipment for him. I took out Gauntlet and Storm Drake Hide. Uh, the Storm Drake Hide is nice. It provides you the two armor, um, but I flipped that with something else, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, and I took out the Gauntlets of Strength because, for the most part, the Malachi Priest... I'm really doing um, with Pillar of Light and an Elemental Wand, which is part of his starting spellbook. When you look at his capability um, to uh, equip the Dawnbreaker Ring, Wand with Pillar of One, and then start flashing away at people and, and start adding burn tokens, it can get pretty... Um, so, and the biggest thing that I took out uh, in terms of point-wise was actually a creature... Uh, I took out Silesius, uh, the East Wind, who is the angel that is suggested for his starting spellbook. She's pretty hefty. She's five points in her, her in the book, and she's 21 mana. She's pretty deadly when she gets out because she's got a ton of really cool attacks and some, some great stuff built in. Uh, but again, I felt like with double Knights of we uh, a Guardian Angel, Broken Bloodstone, Unicorn or be in there, you probably sacrifice Silesius and get some points back. So taking those five points out of Spellbook was pretty uh, big and, and helpful. And then the final one that I took out was a heal card, because again, we talked earlier, there's quite a bit of healing already in the book, so I felt it was okay to go down to one heal and take one of those out. So at the end of the day, total points coming out of my Spellbook was 14 points. So I started saying, okay, it's a good amount of points. What could I do with those 14 points? Well, the first thing is that I wanted to get a creature back into the mix, taking Silesius out. And I put in, in an Defender, or Asirin Defender, or whichever. I always mess up the uh, emphasis on the incorrect syllable <laughs> on that. Yeah, this is really good, because he's already got two armor and eight health. He's got a nice three-die attack, and he also has a built-in defense on a nine-plus. And he's only two points in your book and eight mana to bring out. So he is very kind of the solid go-to. He's going to be out there. He's going to help me do some stuff and not cost me a lot of mana. And I really like that. So I, I definitely added one in. Now, you remember I said I took out the Storm Drake Hive. Well, I replaced that with the Dragon Scale Howerberg. The Dragon Scale gives you the Flame minus two, which is really nice uh, if you're going against Warlocks, who may or may not be getting more and more popular with the advent of Forged in Fire. Uh, there's a lot of fire damage in the game already, uh, so it's just kind of nice to be able to mitigate that. Uh, so I felt that that was a better addition than the Storm Drake Hide. Then I got into some really fun enchantments. So Cast is an enchantment that I really feel is something that's almost a staple for the priests. It's a level one enchantment. It only costs you a total of four mana between the two to put it down, uh, put it in play face down, and the two to bring it in face up. And it does, it says that 
each time, on the first time the creature makes a melee or a ranged attack, the controller has to pay two mana during the declare attack step, or else the attack is canceled. So you immediately start to gain a little more control when you slap that onto one of their more powerful creatures that they may be forcing at you. So the key to pacify is it has to go on a non-mage creature, so you can't put that on your opposing mage, but it's still kind of nice to have that as well. So I put two of those in there. The other thing I did is, again, looking at those creatures and how beef between the Knights of Westlock, Brogan, and the Highland Unicorn, I added in two bear strengths. Uh, bear is kind of a staple. If you're going to have a big character or a big creature come out and do some pretty hefty damage, it is really nice to just get, get bear in there. I argue that you could slip this in and out for Lion Savagery, depending on how you want and you could even put one of each in. Um, but either one is going to give you some nice buff bonuses to creatures that are already doing a good amount of damage. And then the final two, which I just think is really, really fun to do with this, the fact that the Malachi Priest has the Malachi Fire ability, which says once per round, if the Priest attacks and damages an enemy creature with an attack that deals light damage, he can pay one mana and place a burn condition on the creature. It's really fun to pack Ignite, and combustion. So Ignite and Combustion are two new incantations forged in fire. You immediately start off and ignite somebody. You then damage them with Pillar of Light, and you deal holy damage to them, and you add another burn token to it. And then you combust and blow up and remove all of those burn tokens and attack them for two times the amount of burn tokens that are on them. It's pretty much the last thing people might expect a priest to do, because you think priest, you think holy, you think all nice and pacifist and healing its creatures. But this guy I've found really likes to get into the mix of things. He likes to be in the heat of battle. And he can do some really fun trickery type things like that that will keep your opponents on their heels. So overall, uh, I think he is a very versatile mage. I think he's something that you could take in multiple different directions just from the starting spellbook. But those are just some ideas that I put together around what I would do with him if I was a new player or if I was an experienced player looking for some you know different and new ideas like with Combustion and Ignite. I really, really love what you've done with igniting combustion, man. That is, um, especially if you get somebody who, who's not quite expecting um, that damage to come from burn. That's one of those really big gotchas. That would be a lot of fun to spring on somebody. Yes, I definitely think um, so. What I've been doing the rest of this week, other than thinking of how I want to edit a spellbook, is I've been working on the next OP kit, uh, and there's actually a promo card that is going to be in the 6th OP kit that plays right into what Scott's talking about. It's called uh, Sunfire Burst. Um, it's a really simple spell. It's a lot like uh, Pillar of Light, except where Pillar of Light has a chance to daze and then a chance to stun, um, this spell has a chance to daze and then a chance to daze someone and burn them. So it's actually a holy spell that causes burn. So just mull that one over. Mm. It's coming. Nothing it's like coming. spoilers. <laughs> what? Spoilers? Who does Nothing that? Nothing like spoilers. Yeah. All right, Aaron, how about um, how about you talk about your book for a bit? Sure. Um, so... Your spell book, not your fan fiction. <laughs> uh, I'm, oddly enough, the one in this marriage that is is not uh, all about fan fiction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Don't forget about your erotic fan fiction. 
Oh, no, <laughs> we don't need to go there. <laughs> um, so uh, I ended up going with the Warlord spellbook, specifically the Anvil Throne Warlord spellbook, um, which I'm very happy with what it already does because I think it covers your bases pretty well. Um, the biggest thing uh, I find with the Warlord right now uh, is a question of altars. Um, there's the Altar of Carnage and there's the Altar of Domination. Uh, and generally speaking, I feel that a Warlord is going to want to play one of them, uh, but really doesn't have the resources or uh, uh, need to play both. So it's a matter of which one you want to play. The book starts with the Altar of Carnage, but it can easily become uh, the Altar of Domination. Uh, either is fine. It's like I said, it's a matter of what you want to do. Now, if you do cut the Altar of Carnage, um, the Altar of Carnage puts mana on spawn points uh, and familiars. So at that point, then you have uh, Battleforge uh, and uh, Barracks and Gurmash, and you can probably cut uh, something there uh, to make room for other cards because the assumption is you may not be able to actually fuel all of them. Uh, but at the same time, the various people I have talked to who have gotten Talos out will tell you that he is well worth the uh, the risk. He's well worth the investment. Um, apart from that, when this spellbook was made, it was trying to use spells from uh, basically as few sets as possible. So specifically, it only uses spells from the core set from... Force Master Warlord and from Forge and Fire. Um, what it's noticeably missing are three pretty stellar cards from Conquest of Kumanjaro. Uh, uh, the first one is the Dwarf Panzerguard. Uh, the Dwarf Panzerguard is a fantastic standard bearer, um, and he's a fantastic guard for your barracks. Uh, I have never been disappointed in playing one of them. Uh, so. They're always just solid. And then uh, you have the Colossus Belt. Um, I'm a big fan of piling on what you're good at, uh, and the Anvil Throne Warlord starts with tough, so there's no reason I shouldn't try and play tough again. Uh, so putting the belt on, I have tough minus four, so getting conditions on me, uh, even when they seemed almost assured before, are incredibly difficult. So, and and to me, that's worth more than the regrowth belt. Now, when I build this myself, uh, I end up putting the regrowth spell in the book regardless. So that's still there, but uh, the belt itself is not, and I use the Colossus belt. Um, the last thing from Conquest of Kumanjaro is Armor Ward. Um, all of the runes make your uh, equipment harder to destroy by costing more, and Armor Ward just exacerbates that. Um, so uh, that really makes it so that if someone actually wants to strip you of your runed armor, they're going to be paying a net of six more than whatever it costed, uh, whatever the base cost was. So that's pretty awesome, and those are kind of the big things there. Everything else with him is all a matter of uh, kind of season to flavor. 
in the incantation section, there's duplicate um, of various uh, commands. You you need to find you need to play with them and find which commands work for you and which don't, so you know which ones you're going to need multiple copies of and which ones you want a single copy of just so you can put it on Helm of Command. Um, and then, you know, that's also where you can save space uh, and put other things in. As far as the creatures go, um, the crossbowmen, the minotaur, the alchemist are all rock solid, and I pretty much would use them just about any time. Uh, the dwarf Kriegspiel, I have not personally had tons of uh, success with, but... You know, your mileage may vary. They're not a bad creature. I really like the Panzer Guard better. If I need to send something offensive at you, I think the Minotaur is going to do a better job. Um, Grimson is always good in whatever book he's in, uh, whatever he's doing. If you want him, uh, then, you know, play him. If you don't, it's odd, but in my spell book, I actually have... Um, and uh, this shows you how bad it is, because I forgot the guy's name. Ludwig, yes. <laughs> I have Ludwig Boltstorm in mind. Because if you give him the take aim order, he gets piercing plus two, and a three dice triple strike attack that has piercing two on each attack is pretty stellar. Um, you have to do a lot of work to get him in position, though, because it's a very short range. Um so, I mean, don't be afraid to force push him or someone to get him in range. But that's what I do. But that's mostly because I think that that interaction is really cool. Not necessarily because I think it's amazing and everyone should do it. Um, Otto is probably the one I would take out unless you are very committed to a kind of, um, you know, if we build it, Talos will come strategy. So... Other than that, like I said, the book is pretty pretty well-rounded. It's a lot of uh, finding what works and then kind of sticking with it. But I definitely would say Dwarf Panzer Guard, Colossus Belt, Armor Ward, really solid choices. Yeah, I like that as well. The Warlord. <laughs> yeah, the Warlord got some major upgrades in Forged and Fire, and I have absolutely loved playing with him. Um, through playtesting, through this, through everything. He's just been phenomenal. So uh, those are all stellar choices and something that I would not want to play against. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. If you guys haven't checked out the new Warlord stuff yet, uh, you definitely need to do yourselves a favor and do it because like Scott said, it's just um, I would maybe not necessarily night and day, but there are, there are a lot more options, and I think that's uh, really huge when it comes to playing that particular class. Mage, sorry. Options are good. <laughs> um, I was uh, tasked and um, actually looking forward to talking about the Necromancer. Um, you know, we've had a, a whole entire episode built upon his unholiness. And um, what I liked about the starting spellbook is that it, it gives the Necromancer a really good idea of how he plays by allowing um, both 
zombie synergy and skeleton synergy within the one starter book. In fact, I think even in the rule book, it recommends for the players to just say, hey, pick one of these and pick the spells that you're going to do that are going to synergize with these as you play. And then you can kind of find your niche within there. Um, so carrying forward that theme, I decided to pull the zombies out of the book and see if I can make a skeletal specific or skeleton specific book, which involved the altar of skulls. Um, and I think it, this, is, this book's going to do semi-well. I don't know if it's going to win Gen Con or anything, but uh, again, we're, what we're trying to do here is give you guys some more ideas. So uh, starting out with the equipment, I removed the Wand of Healing. Um, I, I think the Wand of Healing is a nice touch. It's You don't really expect the Necromancer to pull out a Wand of Healing, um, but I replaced that with, with, with Mage Wand and also demon hide armor so I like the demon hide armor because it's going to allow us to have a damage barrier and it also gives us the two base armor that he doesn't currently have um, he also already has the cloak of shadows which is going to give him the obscure trait which is really nice uh, death ring uh, libra mortuus and uh, mortuus rather and uh, the death shroud staff along with the meditation amulet um, so he's got a lot of uh, kind of synergy there with the uh, with the Libro and the Death Trout Staff and the Death Ring and Cloak of Shadows I think is I don't know Scott you called it a must have uh, you know almost a replacement for the Elemental Cloak a couple times on the podcast um, and I think yeah I, was... I really like the obscured trait um, I, I think and maybe you know this might be a, a meta from where I am mm -hmm. um, but I really think that having that ability to force closer to you, especially in the Necromancer you have, if you play with zombies and you have slow and lumbering creatures, it's nice to force your opponent to have to come in and, and kind of for you. Uh, other cases, there's, I, I really have yet to see a mate that cloak does not work with. Uh, so depending on the equipment you put in your spellbook, it can be really powerful. I, I think it's um, it's definitely uh, on par with the Elemental Cloak, uh, if not uh, easily my favorite. Mm -hmm. um, talking about conjurations, I went ahead and I pulled the Ziggurat of Undeath because I don't think it really is going to apply to skeletons very much, um, or at all for that matter. I think it's zombie-specific. Um, and in turn, I added uh, a couple copies of Rolling Fog, uh, which again is going to give pretty much everything I control uh, obscured for three turns, which is awesome. Um, I added the armory, uh, which is going to be a really great way for our skeletons to kind of get a buff um, and really allow them to be able to get more piercing and also more armor, which is going to be really nice, especially um, with some of the different skeletons that we have now that are a little squishy. Um, Along with the army, I also added the Idol of Pestilence, which I really like this conjuration. Um, my overall win condition here um, is involving the Altar of Skulls, giving things finite life, and then just kind of draining them down, and basically forcing them to get close so that uh, my ranged attackers and different skeletons can just pick them apart all the while while they're losing life every turn. Um, so talking about some of the creatures that I've removed, I've removed the, I, I really didn't want to do this because I like the plague zombies. I really, I really like that creature. I think they're very fun, especially when you combine them with uh, Shagath Zora. Um, but I went ahead and took 
took those guys out, took Shagathora out, and then the unstable zombie, venomous zombies, zombie brutes, zombie crawlers, and the zombie minions. It took all the zombies out of the deck, again, just to try to focus on just skeletons. Um, but I did leave in a couple things that I think are worth noting. The Acolyte of the Bog Queen, of course, are still there. Got to be able to reassemble those uh, skeletal objects along with my Altar of Skulls if they get damaged. Um, I left the Grey Wraiths in there um, and, and the one Ravenous Ghoul. I like the Grey Wraiths in there because it allows them to, um, if you're not playing against a wizard or not playing against something that's going to be able to hit the incorporeal creatures, the Grey Wraiths are going to stay on the board a long time. So those are a good... Those are a great, almost universal creature to have there. Again, unless you're really playing the wizard, not a lot of people are going to expect um, incorporeal creatures. Uh, I added the other two skeletal archers and two skeletal sentries to those zombies I'd taken out. Um, all in all, even after I took out all the creatures, I still have 22 left in the book, uh, which is I thought was crazy to think about, but there are still a lot of skeletons left just within the space set. Um, so you have Mort, um, which is very nice because he's going to allow those skeletal objects to reassemble. Again, you keep your skeletons up, you keep your, your altar of skulls up, things are just going to start dying. And it's really fun to see people react and try to figure out a way to stop this plan once it's set in motion. Um, so we've got the archers there. Again, the archers are going to be buffed up quite a bit from the armory, which I think is going to be really, really nice. Uh, the skeletal minions are there, just as really quick, easy to summon creatures uh, that's not going to break the bank at all. Um, I added the the two skeletal. I added two skeletal sentries as a go between between the minion and the knight, just so if I didn't have the mana uh, later on for one of the knights, I could bring out a sentry, and it would be a little bit more, uh, rather it'd be uh, stronger than just the minions. And overall, I think that is a, a is a good basis for a nice skeleton deck as far as creatures goes. Um, the enchantments, I left Rise Again. I liked Rise Again a lot. Um, I think that's really a fun enchantment to add in. But I also added in a Fortified Position to be able to give my creatures, specifically my Skeletal Archers, um, more armor so that way they're going to stay on the board and be able to protect um, my Altar of Skulls as, it's, um, as I'm praying to it with my Acolytes. And um, per Aaron's suggestion, actually, I added in Rust. Um, Rust is an excellent spell. Of course, it came out in uh, Forged in Fire, and um, it allows us to basically take away armor from a creature, which is really nice. Um, incantations. I went ahead and took out Zombie Frenzy, and I added in, um, and sorry, one copy of Reassemble. I took one of those out, and I added in two copies of Drain Soul. Um, just because I really, really love the tainted ability, and I wanted to be able to offset that and get a little bit of high uh, health back since I didn't have wand of healing. Um, now, once your altar of skulls pops and you have that off uh, that running, you're going to have life bound plus two, uh, which is going to allow you to transfer two life from you or from the altar to you um, at the beginning of every turn, which is nice. Um, but I needed still some way if I get hit really hard to be able to come back from that. And um, I took out Acid Ball. Um, it may not be the best thing to do. You may want to keep Acid Ball in there. But I went ahead and took it out. My main reason for taking it out is because I'm going to be giving things piercing, hopefully. Um, so I'm not going to be too worried about having one Corrode sitting on a target. Um, and the direct damage I'm going to be doing is, again, hopefully going to be from the Altar of Skulls. So um, I don't have any attacks with this. 
I wanted to try to make a necromancer that was lightning based, um, kind of some uh, more of an Emperor Palpatine type creature, um, but uh, it, sadly I didn't have the spell points to do that. So um, that's where I'm sitting at with my skeletal necromancer, and I think uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to play. I'm really looking forward to it, particularly. I played with it very similar to this, but it wasn't until today that I actually went and um, started thinking about removing all of the zombies. So it's still kind of a a work in progress but again definitely some ideas to think about for you guys that are building books i think aaron's jumping up and down to hear you say fortified position <laughs> i think fortified <laughs> position is probably my phenomenal. favorite card yeah it's like phenomenal stuff like that it's just with that so so useful so useful and i definitely love it with skeletons and i gotta give I gotta give the form guys credit when they, when they had me build that, that warlord, with skeletons book, um, that was basically one of the big reasons was oh, <laughs> fortified position and standard bearer are awesome, mm -hmm. and ever since then it's like nope I need more fortified position in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, uh, I, I think the thing too about what you mentioned, Rick, is the fact that the altar of skulls is a skeleton object makes it even just exciting because you can have yeah. Mort near it, you can reassemble. There's so many fun things you can do, and and until someone's had altar of skulls pop and and see how easy it is to move off of you onto it, and how easy it is to reconstruct. It, uh, pretty, it, it, at first you look at it and you're like, oh, it's an altar. It's going to take a while to get that, all those tokens on there. Oh, he's got an Acolyte of the Bog Queen. Oh, he's got three tokens. Oh, he's got five tokens. Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Crap, I just and lost the next creature. Thing you the town and, yeah. yeah, you just lost the game. Yeah, it's, uh, it moves pretty quick, so it's, it's, uh, it's exciting. Yeah, I really like it. Um, Ultra Skulls is one of my favorite win conditions right now. Um, now that being said... If you're playing against a person that knows what it's going to be doing, if you're playing against a seasoned player, they're going to know they're not going to want to let that altar oh, yeah. pop. So they're going to try to get it off the board as quick as possible. Um, that's where things like Rolling Fog come into play. Give that give that altar obscured. Let them come to you and then just beat them up. Um, it's, uh, Necromancer is just so fun, man. Go, go, gadget, force hammer. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh, man. So... Um, Anything else, guys, you want to talk about here on this? We're right at 30 minutes, so um, we got Gen Con in a few weeks. Um, I think we're going to have one episode out. Yeah, we now know what you're playing at Gen Con. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, Gen Con's going to be really exciting. I mean, we have a lot going on there. You know, we've got the release of Sheriff of Nottingham, the, the first Dice Tower Essential game coming out. Um, if anyone doesn't know, you uh, can actually pre-order that today for Gen Con pickup. So if you go to our website, if you go to arcanewonders.com, or you go to the main Dice Towers website, which is dicetoweressentials.com, uh, there's a link there uh, on our main store that you can order for pickup at Gen Con. Save yourself some shipping. Save yourself some running around and not having to worry about uh, going crazy the, the morning of Thursday or anything like that. Um, and then, of course, we've got the, the championship that we're going to host at uh, Gen Con as well, uh, which we put a post up earlier about. Um, but the winner of that is going to get some very nice prizes, uh, one of which being an iPad Mini, which is going to be really cool. Uh, and then um, just so everyone does know about the Forged in Fire is that in that tournament. Uh, 
So watch out, watch out for ignites, and watch out for anything else that might be lurking around the corner there. Since we now all know exactly what you're going to be playing, Rick, it's, it's going to be really easy to beat you, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, wait, and then I want to throw in my, my skeletal anvil thrown dwarf, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or rather, uh, rather Aaron's <laughs> skeletal dwarf, uh, warlord. It works really well. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, um, you know Aaron is all over our our forums. I mean, he's just tremendous uh, working with the community and fans put together a really fun spellbook. Uh, I would definitely highly suggest checking that out. Yeah, and I'll definitely. Yeah, if, any, if, if anybody's interested, I have the list. Um, it's also actually that post is still in the forum, so it should be pretty easy to find. But yeah, actually, we can Rick the the link to it when he posts. This is the. Uh, uh, episode we could put a look at just people have a reference to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, all right, uh, Scott, Aaron, it any is closing the, words? <laughs> um, no, I'm just going to be nice and and say thank you for listening. I, we've gotten a lot of feedback from everybody, and it's really been cool. Uh, and I hope that we continue with this. I think uh, we might have a guest soon, uh, which would be kind of cool to have a short discussion with somebody that we haven't talked to yet. Um, but any ideas you guys have, just keep it coming. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. I second that. No, um, it's it's always great to hear from you guys. And like Scott said, I'm on the I'm on the forums quite a bit. Um, like I said the other day, I'm two steps from being a troll, not because I antagonize people, but rather because I basically live there. Um, but it's it's always great to to hear from you guys, to hear what you think about uh, the podcast, to hear what you think about the sets and uh, it's it's one of the best parts of my job to be able to sit there and go through and, you know, be able to tell people, oh, no, this is what's going on, or help someone with something, or or have someone, um, you know, talk to us about something they like or don't like. Um, so that's that's always a joy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're... In- to your credit, Aaron, you really are awesome on those forums, man. I've read quite a few posts from, uh, you know, more that seems like a long time ago. And um, just some of the feedback and some of the advice that you've given a lot of players is really, really cool, especially to someone that's still looking into things. Like, uh, I'm learning a lot just from some of your Druid stuff that you've posted. So, um, yeah, great, great community management there on your part. Um well, guys, I try. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and wrap things up now. I would like to say one quick thing, uh, a shameless plug, if you will. Um, my channel, Let's Level Up.net on YouTube, is nearing 1,000 subscribers, which is a pretty big milestone for us. So Woo-hoo! if you haven't already, I would really appreciate it if you wouldn't like it. I've got uh, all different types of things from uh, board game Let's Plays to video game Let's Plays and tutorials and reviews and all that stuff. So we're constantly adding on to that in addition to uh, Mage Wars Mondays and everything else. So um, I will be on hand at yeah, we don't talk well. enough, Oh, go uh, ahead. We don't talk enough about your channel. And we probably but uh, one of the reasons that I really partnering with Rick uh, to do this podcast for everybody was the fact that he was not a traditional board game reviewer. He brings a little bit of everything to the mix. Um, like you just said, you know, you do video games, you do board games, you do a little bit of everything, and you, you do it in a really good way. So, yeah, I would second that cheap shame and go ahead and say, definitely go over and check out letslevelup.net and, and your YouTube channel because Rick, outside of being awesome for the podcast here, does some pretty wicked stuff on his own video reviews. 
Well, thanks, Scott. I appreciate that. Definitely, man. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Check us out there. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please do. We're on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. Um, all that information is available at letslevelup.net. And uh, until next time, game on. Play more Mage Wars. <laughs> <laughs>